Ready. Um, my prayer is that God continues to speak, that God uh, continues to do a work on your heart, and that your prayer over the next uh, few minutes here is exactly what we just sang, which is, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. Um, I know it's our 40th anniversary, which means we're thinking about the last 40 years uh, of South Run's life together. Uh, but this morning, I want to talk about the next 40 years, if we can. If I, I can introduce a date to you that you've probably never thought of before, 2063 uh, is, I know, was there an audible groan? Uh, yeah, that's how I felt when I came across that date, too. That's our 80th anniversary here, right? Uh, which means in the next 40 years, uh, what's going to happen? Where are we going? What's this world going to look like in 40 years from now? <clears throat> I don't necessarily have a lot of answers to the, to the last question. In fact, I, I've got very few. And to get us there, though, uh, and to help you understand what has happened in the last 40 years, I just want to show you a couple things. Uh, in 1983, this is what a computer looked like. This is the Apple Macintosh. <laughs> Uh, and uh, just so we're clear, uh, if you take 32,000 of those computers, that's what's sitting inside of your phone right now, all right? Uh, we've come a long way, have we not, right? Uh, or your family television uh, in 1983, if you were doing well, <laughs> that's what it looked like. Uh, if you were doing well, it was color, uh, and the number of stations you could watch on it were significantly smaller than what you've got now. Uh, stations, my kids are saying, what's a station? Uh, and uh, uh, 25 inches uh, is the, uh, like, that's keeping up with the Joneses uh, in 1983, just so we're clear. Uh, if you had a telephone, uh, your telephone uh, looks something like uh, Kids, it's a cord, uh, and uh, there's a, it plugs into a wall, and there's what's called a line, uh, and here's how the lines work. There's one in the house, which means if your mom's talking to grandma, you're not talking to your girlfriend, uh, right? Uh, because there's just one line at a time. Uh, it, did we have cell phones in 1983? The answer is technically yes, and it, it looked like this. Given that there were so few cell towers, they were more or less useless, um, but nevertheless, they, they did exist. And then at some point, uh, some genius thought, uh, let's put them in cars, and they created the car phone. Do you remember uh, that? Now car phones are illegal uh, in most states, I believe, uh, and you're going to want to stay away from that. Uh, so uh, again, we've come quite a long way uh, in 40 years. Um, the next slide is, like, how did we listen to music in 1983? And you had two options. Uh, one is on the left side. Uh, that's if you wanted to listen to music by yourself. And they had these uh, scratchy things that went on your ears and had terrible quality, uh, both of which take a cassette, by the way. Uh, cassettes uh, were yay big. And um, uh, <laughs> again, the quality was quite low. Uh, on the right side, that's called a boombox, uh, as you well know, uh, most of you anyway. And the boombox is if you want everyone to hear what you're listening to. Um, I told my kids this story the other day. When I was young, by the way, in 1983, I was only three. Uh, so I, I wasn't exactly listening to a, a boombox in 1983, but I had my own version 
few years later. And uh, what, the, what I would do, and maybe some of you did this too, hopefully I'm not alone here, uh, these had a radio attached to them often, and then uh, there was a, uh, the possibility of a record uh, function as well. And so I would sit by the radio, I'd listen to the radio waiting for the next song to come on, and I have a blank tape in there, and then when the next song came, I would just hit record, hoping that I liked the next song, right? And then if I did, great, you record it to the end. If you don't like it, well then you hit stop, and then you rewind it uh, to the place where you have to get to, to then wait for the next song to come <laughs> when you hit record again, uh, and then thereby creating uh, the, the first ever mixtapes, right? <clears throat> so, things we did not have in 1983, however, we did not have movies and TV on demand, right? Um, I don't know if you know, some of you, I keep talking here because I feel like most of you like, experienced this, but maybe this, this part did not. What this was like is like when your television show was coming on, you were held hostage uh, by the time uh, that that came on, right? So if your show comes on at 6.30 p.m. on a Thursday night, you better believe you are in front of that age-old television right there uh, and you're watching it because if you miss it, what happens? It's gone forever. Until the reruns, indeed, uh, but the reruns are never, it's, that's always hit and miss. You, you really don't know if you'll ever get to see uh, the time that uh, Saved by the Bell has uh, Zach uh, saving his, his, his friend who, who was taking too many caffeine pills at the time, and he had to confront her. Jesse, I think that was her name? Jesse Spano, thank you. I've got a true fan up here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Other things we didn't have in 1983, email. Beautiful world that was. Uh, we, <laughs> some of you still don't know how to use your emails, so that's uh, a shout out. Uh, the internet. Now, technically, the internet was invented uh, that year, actually. The, the birthday, I didn't know this. The birth date of the internet is January 1st. Uh, 1983. That's what Wikipedia told me, anyway. Uh, and of course, back then, like it's nothing. Like, yeah. I almost played for you the sound of the dial-up <clears throat> uh, uh, Adults in the room would, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not the most worshipful experience, so we didn't go that route. Um, we also we we did not have Google. Uh, we didn't have smartphones. Uh, we didn't have coffee. Um, no, just kidding. Uh, we had coffee. <laughs> But the coffee of the 80s was terrible. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Uh, coffee in the 80s was, was awful. Starbucks had to come along and in the 90s like reinvent good coffee. Uh, and, and so you can think, uh, you know, the 90s, I'm a 90s child really at heart, uh, for giving you good coffee. So if 1983 to 2023 is 40 years, and in that time, We've had, I mean, the world has changed dramatically. I, I was just like giving you technology stuff, right? But we could have talked about like, geopolitical changes or, or cultural changes or like any number of ways in which the world has rotated a thousand and one times and we are living in a different world. The speed of that is, is really only picking up. And if we were to think 40 years into the future, 2063, 
What's it going to be like? The only answer I can really give you is I don't know. I've got no clue. However, there are a few things I do know about what the church will be like in 2063. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The, the men and the women who built this church, the one you're sitting in right now, they nourished its soul and they built it into the body that is what we have today. They did so with the phones and the, and the computers and the televisions that you saw on that screen, right? And the people who are building this church right now are doing so with the technologies we have today. And the people who will be building it 40 years from now, uh, they will be using their own technologies. And the truth of the matter is the world can and will change all around us, but the mission of the church does not change. In fact, the mission of the church hasn't changed for 2,000 years. Our mission today is the same mission that it was back in 1983, which was the same back in 1883 and 1783 and 1683 and so on and so on. Our passage today from the New Testament is Hebrews chapter 12, and the first verse puts it this way. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us. Let us run with endurance the race. Hebrews 12 casts really all of history as a race. And this is certainly not a sprint, right? This is a marathon that history has been unfolding since the beginning. One in which a baton is passed down from generation to generation to generation. The author of Hebrews talks about the great cloud of witnesses, which for him was all of those Old Testament names that appeared in the chapter right before this one. Names like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and so on and so forth. And there's dozens of them, right? And these are just some of the names of the great cloud of witnesses, all running the race, each successive generation passing the baton and taking its seat as part of the cloud of witnesses. The author of Hebrews himself is is now part of that cloud, having passed the baton to the generation after him. And then that marathon continued through history, generation after generation, Until we got to 1983, 40 years ago, some men and women at Westwood Baptist Church had a dream and a call upon their lives, a call to reach the people of Springfield, Virginia. And as they stepped out in faith and they ran the race that was set before them, South Run Baptist Church was formed. The founding fathers and mothers of this church picked up the baton and they began running the race. Some have entered the cloud of witnesses cheering us on from the other side. Others are still with us, running that race alongside of us. I don't know what will happen in 40 years, and I don't need to, because what I do know is what I know, what I know, what I know, what I know, 
which is that the same race that began oh so many years ago is the race that was picked up in 1983 and has been passed down to us and it is now our task to take the baton and to keep marching. So what is the race that is set out before us as the author of Hebrews calls it? I want to leave you with three things, three things. The first goes like this. We are, as he says, we are witnesses. We are witnesses. We are living witnesses to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Witnesses of the redeeming power of God through Jesus Christ. Our very lives are living testimonies to the transforming power of Jesus. We have a, a mission statement here at Southern Baptist Church. It is that we are committed to reaching all people so that they may know, believe, and understand the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. So that we have the life-changing power of Jesus Christ within us and we are passing it to others. But in order to accomplish that mission, it has to be true that our lives are actually changed. We must be living witnesses to this truth. It's the only way it really works. We must embody the life-changing power. The founding fathers and mothers of this church lived transformed lives and thereby entered the cloud of witnesses that passed the baton to us. We receive their testimony, their witness, and we must pick up the baton and run with it. What will the world be like in 2063? I don't know. But if this church is celebrating 80 years of ministry, and God willing, I believe it will, it will only do so because this generation picks up the baton and becomes living testimonies to God's transformative work in our lives. Number two. <clears throat> What is this race that we are running, the race that is set before us? It at least includes remaining in and running toward the arms of the Father. At the end of the second verse there in, in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we read this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The finish line of the race is nothing less than company with the Almighty, the very being who spun life into existence, who created you and everything you have ever seen, tasted, touched, felt, heard, this God is waiting for you at the finish line, and he is waiting to welcome us with a well done, my good and faithful servant. The end of the race is the fullness of the kingdom of God, the blessing of eternal life, the company of the saints, the eternal banquet. Last night, I heard from many of you that this felt like a taste of heaven, and we get to reconnect with people we haven't seen in years 
And we gather together in a way that, that feels like the saints are, are joining one another. And I agree. But it's just a taste. It's a little bit like tasting 1980s coffee and thinking you've tasted coffee. What will the world be like in 2063? I don't know. But the race we will be running is the same. And it is a race that is running straight into the arms of the Father, like the prodigal children that we are, and being welcomed home by a Father who always loved us and is ecstatic that we are there. The third and final thing I would say about this race requires a little bit of a, a closer look at the passage uh, that we're reading from, but it's, it's this, that this journey that we're on is a joy-filled journey. The race is one that is marked by joy, and we should be people who are marked by joy. If we take a close look at the passage here, there's what's called a parallelism. And there's in verse 1, one side of it, and then in verse 2, another side of it. And it goes like this. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see the parallel, right? What was set before Jesus was joy. What is set before us is a race. And the joy and the race are one and the same. I don't know what you think heaven is going to be like. I'm afraid that some of you might think it's boring or it's something that you're not so sure you actually want to take part in. I can assure you it is precisely the opposite. C.S. Lewis says that joy is the serious business of heaven. And if there's a joy you've experienced last night or this morning or at some time recently, bundle all that joy up and then just magnify it by, say, 32,000 times. <laughs> uh, and that's what's sitting in the pocket of heaven right now, waiting for you. One of my favorite things about The Chosen, the show, uh, is the character they cast for Jesus. I, I love that he smiles the way he does, that he walks with an ease the way he does, and he seems to exude a real joy. And I imagine that's what Jesus was like as well. A man who walked not an easy life by any means, right? We all know how it ended, but he walked it with joy. And that is the very life he is calling us into as well. What will the world be like in 2063? I don't know. But I know this, that those of us who faithfully follow Jesus and run the race that is set before us will be marked by our joy just as Jesus was known for his joy. This is not to say the race is easy. The author of Hebrews, in fact, calls for endurance to run this race. He compares the endurance to uh, what Jesus needed, enduring the cross 
and despising shame, is what he says. Jesus' life was far from easy. But it was joyful. A Southern Baptist church that is celebrating 80 years of ministry in 2063 will indeed be rejoicing because of the joy that was experienced along the way. Last night, as we gathered together and told stories, I felt that joy, and I know you did too. In the next 40 years, I look forward to running the race alongside you and to the joy that we will experience together through the transforming power of Jesus in us. The last thing I want to say is to remind us of the Old Testament passage that we read. It was Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. John, if you don't mind putting that back up here, if you can find that. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. It, it's the verse that actually sits on top of our church values. If you haven't looked at it in a while, this is it. And it, it, I think it actually characterizes our church in a variety of ways. One of which is that it uses the tree analogy as kind of the, the guiding metaphor of what's happening here. And of course, we're surrounded by a lovely amount of trees. And it says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the woman who trusts in the Lord. But blessed is the church who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He, she, and us, we are like a tree planted by water that sends out its stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not for it does not to bear fruit. Our church has indeed been given an illustrious history. The foundation of our church is a solid one. We have been planted by a stream of living water, and it has fed this church in good times and in bad times. Our job is to pick up that baton, and to take it into the next 40 years, reminding ourselves of that which feeds us, the living water that is only possible through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come this morning giving thanks for 40 years of ministry. For 40 years of you working through the people of South Run Baptist Church, for that we give you thanks. For the great cloud of witnesses that came before us, who planted this church and watered it and saw it grow into what it is today, we give you thanks. But God, that great cloud of witnesses was going on long before 1983. We are one part of a very long story. We are one part of a marathon that has been going on through history. And God, this is the time. Now is the time in which we must take that baton and go forward. Lord, give us the strength to do so. Give us the courage to do so. And God willing, Lord, I pray that in 40 years we are reminded of the joy that has been for 40 years of more service to this community around us. We pray all of this in Christ's holy name. Amen.